It's time now for Pickin' and Puttin' with Clay Smith's quantitative anthology of stories behind the songs we know and love to hear and just how they evolve. Plus, a stroke of genius from Dr. Rick Zollinger, a golf nut who will present qualitative narratives from the pages of his own case studies in golf. It's Pickin' and Puttin'. Everybody, Clay Smith here, picking and putting with my co-host, Dr. Rick Zollinger. Hey, Dr. Z. Hey, Clay, how you doing? We be picking and we be putting. Yes, sir, baby. The stories behind the songs keep coming and the gems of golf coming out of your library. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. Fun. I'm excited to hear our musical gem of the day. Hey, baby. You know what? It's every musician's dream to have a wildly successful song. But uh, not all successes have great outcomes. <laughs> In fact, sometimes they're cursed by what happens. I don't know why. The curse episode! It's the curse episode. There you go. That's right. Hey man, turn the clock back to the late 70s. Um, Billy Joel, he, he was on a roll. He, he, was a, he was a rising new star, and uh, he had had uh, Piano Man, which was a great album, and uh, Piano Man actually went to 25 in the charts, and then uh, after that, he got started on uh, The Stranger, and that, that was his trend-setting, prolific album project. In fact, uh, as he was compiling songs for it, uh, in an interview, he, he revealed that, you know, one of the songs was it happened by circumstance and uh, he wasn't so sure that it should be included on the project, but uh, he was awakened one night, early morning. I mean, this is same old story we tell about many people, but, you know, a melody had arrived to him through a dream and that melody kept working with it. Yeah, he kept in his brain but no lyrics. <laughs> so uh, a few days after this melody was haunting him, he was in a meeting with his uh, attorney and uh, accountant in New York. And of course, they're babbling away about legalese and figures, one thing and another. All of a sudden, Billy stands up and says, dudes, I'm out of here. <laughs> he goes back to his apartment and uh, Within a couple of hours, he had penned uh, just the way you are. And uh, I mean, what a great lyric, what a great melody, what a great song. But uh, he was working with Phil Ramone uh, as producer. Phil famous for all his tracks he did with uh, Paul Simon. Yeah. But uh, they, were, they were going back and forth on what was gonna be included in the album and they had gone ahead and Phil had convinced him to cut the tracks for just the way you are. Billy thought it was like, you know, an old standard sound. It was like, he said, you know, this is like a, uh, I don't know, Stevie Wonder song. But uh, he was complaining about it. Phil said, Billy, this, this song is fantastic. So Phil had a lot of pull in the music industry. He, he picked up the phone and called Linda Ronstadt and Phoebe Snow and invited them over to the studio to hear the track. And so, uh, unbeknown to Billy, those two gals come walking in and 
he's moved by that alone. And then they play the track tour to both of them. And uh, Phil looks at uh, both uh, Linda and Phoebe and they say, this is Keller, great. So the rest is history. Bill has said, oh, okay, if you approve it, I'm into it. <laughs> so, how many, so how many guys are, could write both music and lyrics? Like we said, Rodgers and Hammerstein or, or the Beatles, you know, Lennon and McCartney or, or, exactly. or Toppin and, uh, and uh, Elton. Elton. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think there's a set way. Some people have a pattern that they go by, but, uh, you know, some of the best songs in the world were written in 10 minutes because yeah. they were, you know, driving along and all of a sudden this thought hits them from, yeah, right brain, I don't know. Skydiving. They lay it down, but yeah, yeah. Mentioning uh, McCartney and Lennon, they used to work together on both at the same time, both lyrics and melody. And uh, then a Bernie Taupin, he was a lyricist. He would send lyrics to uh, Elton, and Elton would score it, and boom, there you go. Billy Joel, I mean, simultaneous. Melody first, lyric second, lyrics first, melody second. No, no set way. But the funny thing about that song, um, it was included. It became song of the year, got the Grammy, uh, 1978. And, uh, you know, he had thought early on it was an old smoothie song. But fact of the matter is, when he wrote it, he dedicated it to his first wife, Elizabeth. That's uh, a good name for a wife. I, you got that right. You got that covered, actually. <laughs> you overmarried, by the way. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> but it, it as as simple twist of fate on this thing, we were talking about, you know, this being the, the curse episode. Um, after nine years of marriage, their marriage broke up. And this beautiful song, I mean, he wrote it about unconditional love, dedicated it to her. And boom, gone. And then he then he met and married uh, Christy Brinkley. That broke up. He wrote her a song. Third wife, same thing. He said, "Gee whiz, man! If I write you a song, you're done." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why those folks even remarry. Anyways, just live together. I'm, oh my gosh! <laughs> sorry, folks, but you know. Hey, it, isn't that the truth? I mean, that's craziness. Well, I. I was looking into some golf stuff, which is curses of golf. And the oh fun my thing, gosh. Oh, and the fun thing I found was here, here here's a, you're gonna like this one. The top five golf superstitions. Ooh. Oh never use a red tee. Really? Never hit a ball that's been in the water on a water hole. <laughs> Don't use a ball you found. Oh. Really? Never mark your ball with change smaller than a quarter. I never heard that one. No kidding. And don't use a washed golf ball to tee off with. Who the wow. came up with that what stuff? What kind of crap is that? I don't know. <laughs> well, so I wanted to go into a few of the of the Yeah, I break all those rules. So go on. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I use any colored tees anymore. Hey man, whatever I can find. Oh heck yeah, they're fun. Well, so I went into the, the cursed golfers, and, you know, there are a zillion of them. But the, the prime, there are a couple that are really good. And one is, is of course, the Frenchman, Jean Bondeville. 
Oh my, Carnoustie, Carnoustie. And it was the 99 Open. And the eventual winner was Paul Lowry. Nobody remembers that, at least unless you're Scottish. Unbelievable. But the deal was, and a Frenchman hadn't won the, hadn't won the Open since 1907. And the, and the fellow's name, I have it here somewhere. Uh, it doesn't matter. It was Arno or something. But um, on the boat. <laughs> yeah. So the deal was he comes to 17T. And if you remember, Curtis Strange was on the announcing team. And I think it was ABC. I'm not sure. But <laughs> yeah. he's on the announcing team. And he goes, okay, he's got three shots. He should just hit five iron, five iron, five iron, get a five, get and out of dodge. And if you okay. remember that hole, Barry Byrne winds all through the hole, all over yeah. the place. Exactly. Well, he pulls out a driver. Oh. And Strange goes, what the hell is he doing? Oh, my And I think God. it's Mike Tirico. So, anyways, he hits it way right. I mean, over on 17 Fairway, if you've ever been there, you can, I mean, it yeah. was way right. And somehow it landed on grass like Fairway. No so going, oh, man, this guy's oh. crazy. He dodged a bullet. Jeez. Well, so then he gets up there, and all he needs to do is hit it kind of sideways with like a mid-iron and then on to the right. green and avoid the burn. Yeah, an eight-iron from that point. Yes. Well, he yeah. takes out a two-iron. No! He's got 210 yards, and he goes for the green. Oh, my God. And, and the, sad, the unlucky part of it was he hit the grandstands. Had he stayed in the grandstands, he would have gotten a drop over in the fairway, and he'd have, it would have won. But he hit the crossbar, the metal bar in the stand that went up in the air 50 yards and then went over uh, into, into the uh, – uh, Into the burn. Well, no, into this rough that was like knee high. Oh, then he okay. tried to play that, and it went in the burn. Then he oh. takes his clothes and pulls his pants up and gets down in the burn. And you're going, I remember the debate. He was in front of the berm, and he was going – should I or should I not? Oh, it was just, it was crazy. Everybody, the whole audience five, is going, dude, what are you doing? And he had a five-foot wall in front of him. Oh, well, God. long story short, he ends up dropping in crap, gets on the green, makes a six-footer for a seven to get him into the playoff. And he, he acts like he just won the tournament, oh which God. he should have won anyways. Yes. And I remember Curtis Strange goes, what an idiot. He said 155 out of 155 American tour pros would have just won the Open, and this guy somehow figured out how to lose. <laughs> and, of course, oh. the, and the playoff included Justin Leonard, which is a forgotten character because he won the Open later. So it, it was, that, was, that was one. The other one that really, that for our age group, shakes, a, shakes your head and makes you feel bad is, is Roberto Di Vicenzo in the, in the oh it was the uh, 68 Masters. Yes. And he's playing with Tommy Aaron. He comes in and uh, uh, Bob, Bob Goldie had posted 11 under and Di Vicenzo comes in and he birdies 17, 18 and shoots a 65. Whoa. So he was tied and would have been a playoff. Well, they go over, and in those days, they just went over and sat at a table there in front of the clubhouse, you know, with all the press and stuff coming around. Yeah, yeah. And so Tommy Aaron remembers looking over at the scorecard and seeing that it, he had scored at a 66. Oh. And, oh. but of course, DiVincenzo then signed it, and he had really shot a 65. And so if you remember mm -hmm. his famous – 
Mm. His famous quote was, uh, uh, what a stupid I am. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and the interesting thing is, so he went on to lose it. He went, he, he won the, he won the open the next wow. year, uh, wow. uh, previous year. So it was kind of sad that way, but what came out of it to the positive was from yep. that point on, there was a scoring tent yep. at every tournament. So that yep. they could, that one's always by, and you know what the winner's share was? Oh my God, it can't be anything. 20K. No way. $20,000. I mean, it's I mean, just crazy. Oh then I, got a, I got a couple more, but one was Doug Sanders losing the British Open to Jack oh Nichols, missing a 30-inch yep. putt. Gifted, unbelievable. And you know, he Jack always always came to his defense because he said, "Well, look, the guy won twenty two majors. He was a peacock. He was great for the tour, and get off his case because he missed a putt." And I always loved Jack for that because he, he and he just died this year. Doug Sanders wow. did. Wow. Yeah. And the other one here's here's a good one. I I got this one which you'll remember, and this is my other big one. So it's 1985 Masters, and Curtis Strange goes out. And this is before he's won his Opens, which yeah. is actually a good thing that he came back. And Curtis Strange goes out and shoots an opening 80. So he makes his plane reservations. He's getting ready to go home on, on Friday, and he figures he's done. He had, you know, six three putts and who knows what. Yeah. Yeah. So Friday he comes out and shoots a 65. <laughs> and right back in it but interesting he bo he he made a bogey on 13 the par five which is yep. important for the future yep. so then he comes out on 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 saturday and he makes the cut and he's five shots behind he comes out on saturday and shoots a 68 and he ends up one shot behind going into sunday and uh and um so was he in the last group on sunday no, he was he was behind Raymond Floyd by a shot. Oh, okay. okay. The event the eventual uh, winner was Bernhard Langer. Oh my! The great God. great machine. But oh. so here's the story that I like about it. So Sunday he comes around, yeah. he goes out the front side in 32. Reminds you of a, a young man from Ireland recently, and uh, he comes yeah. he comes to number 10 and he bogeys it. You go, uh oh, and he's four shot lead. Four shot lead back on no Master Sunday, but he birdies twelve, the par three, which you'd never think. So then he hits a great drive on thirteen, and he's got a hanging lie. Yeah, and he probably should have laid up, and he yeah. pulled, and he pulls out a three wood, and this is the one that sticks in my head. Tom Weiskopf doing color, he was awesome, oh and Weiskopf says, if he goes for this in two right here, he will lose the Masters. No way. And he put that thing in Ray's Creek right next to the green. Good gosh. And uh, if you remember, he ended up making a six, and he came around to 15. He's still in the lead. He has a two iron. He, he hits it on that hill, and it drifts back down the hill into the water, and he, and he oh. bogeys that, longer oh. finishes, and he, he ends up losing. Oh. And what's interesting about that, that could have been a career ender. Yeah, no kidding. That true curse. And okay. he came back and won back-to-back -back opens. Yeah. So more, more power to Curtis um, for doing that. And, oh, you know, there are other curses. I mean, Greg Norman, wide right. He should have put. He should have been a kicker oh. for Florida State. I have gotten, 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. He, hit, he hit that kid. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. Oklahoma. Oh, I forget. Eight, Nebraska. Yeah. Whatever. Eight, six. Yeah. Yeah. He hit that thing way right. And then Jack won. And, mm. uh, you know, Arnold going back and forth on 18 green in the trap. I mean, that was one. And, uh, and, uh, the other one, you know, you got DJ and Whistling Straits on 18, the PGA, oh. that, that bunker. We've talked about that before. And then last of all was the sad one for me as an Ohioan was Ed Snead. You know, that oh, kind of yeah. journeyman. journeyman Another master's disaster. Oh. He, had, he had three shot lead with, with three. three holes to go. And he went bogey, bogey. And on 18 – he had, I don't know, it looked like, I, I went back and looked at the video, it looked like about a 10-foot putt, and it hung on the lip. Oh, my God. Do you, do you remember who won? Ed Sneed. Was, was that the, that wasn't Stadler, was it? No. Let me give you a hint. How about if I say fried chicken? <laughs> okay, fuzz. Yeah, <laughs> I got it. I won the trivia question. <laughs> there you go. You win a free family order from Popeyes. Awesome, baby. baby. Oh my gosh. So I'm talking about it. If you go from Billy Joel's Curse of Women to, oh to the Country Golf Course, those are the best I could come up with. And they were pretty good ones. I think that's great. Hey, friends, we're having fun. Tune in every week. We're having releases on Sundays. And, uh, Looking forward to the next story behind the song and Gems of God from so Dr. Please, Z. Please subscribe on YouTube. Push the bell so you get notified that we're here. And more. And like us and share us and like get the ball rolling, baby. Promote <laughs> us to everybody. Hey, we thank you. We thank you for watching and listening. And we'll be here every week. Because we be... Picking and putting.